You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show. This is episode 179, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, this is airing on the day of the draft. We're talking Wednesday, but this is going to go up Thursday morning. Brother, it is draft day. How are you doing? I'm so happy draft miss. Happy draft day. It's very exciting to be here. I mean, everything is delicious, especially on draft day. By this time, I will have had a long sleep and I'll have watched the movie draft day as per usual to ring in the new year, to ring in the joyous occasion to get in the holiday spirit. Uh, And I'll probably just be finding things to do to burn time before the first round gets kicked off so this year i mean obviously this is going to be a complete dog and pony show so i can't wait to watch the circus uh it's gonna be a fun year yeah we're, we're gonna talk about that we're just gonna kind of give our final thoughts about how we're feeling going into the draft maybe a quicker show we'll see but like the first thing that i want to deal with is actually some breaking news and, and this was out there yesterday and it has been confirmed by another source which is interesting you've got natalie uh Engenolf. I'm sorry, Natalie, if I butchered that last name from 97.5 The Fanatic, also NBCS uh, Philly. She said, quote, source is telling me Alabama wide receiver Jerry Judy stock may drop to reported knee issues that haven't been disclosed yet. Judy underwent surgery for a meniscus injury in 2018, end quote. Now, by itself, you would think, okay, maybe the Eagles are making, you know, making some noise, trying to have them fall or whatever. But on 97.5 The Fanatic as well, Adam Schefter was on there this morning, speaking April 22nd on Wednesday. He said, quote, let's just say it's a lingering knee issue, end quote. Now, here's where it gets even more complicated. Chris Cabot, Jerry Judy's agent, pops into the mentions of this tweet by 97.5, says, quote, no issue here. The knee is fine. Jerry never missed a practice or a game in two years after uh, the surgery. I didn't know the agent was in the mentions. That's uh-huh. not uh-huh. ideal, as it were. He's, he continues to say he never even needed treatment on the knee. Every team. He said he never needed treatment on his knee? Never needed, never needed treatment on a knee. No team saw anything that even required him to participate in a combine recheck. And then he also continued to to tweet. So he was really tweeting through it. He says, again, this rumor was spread days before the draft by a team that is looking to cause a stir and hoping for Jerry to fall to him. Not happening, end quote. Now, maybe that last part is true, uh, but this does raise some issues. And me and you were talking before the show, like the, the way his knee buckles in just naturally when he moves is fine 
on its own. And it, it really isn't a concern for an ACL because other athletes like Odell, like their knee bends that way. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, and I've spoken with this with somebody f- before and I couldn't remember uh, who it was last year about Judy and other players like that. What happens is when there's structural damage around the knee, that's when it really highlights an issue because it breaks that that chain in their biomechanics. Ben, overall, mm-hmm. like your thoughts on what's going on here with Judy, if you think he's falling, if you think this is just a team blowing a smoke screen. Yeah, smells like smoke, which obviously you have to assume and prepare for there to be fire. Um, but smells like smoke in a regular year. I don't adjust players up and down my board for injury concerns because I do not have enough information to do so. Right. In this year, in which like teams themselves are lacking for information for how to adjust guys, you're not going to catch me speaking with any sort of certainty on what Jerry Judy's health situation is and how it should affect his draft stock or his Mm long-term outlook. I just, I I can't sit here and, and in good faith give you information on that. You know what I mean? So yeah. all, what I'll say is this, you know, Judy's game is, is predicated on extremely difficult stop-start cuts. Those put a lot of strain on the knee. Mm-hmm. He had a meniscus tear and repair in 2018, came back and was making the exact same cuts in 2019. Yep. I would assume that he felt healthy and felt good when he was doing it. I know with like meniscus tears and, and repairs, there can be like scar tissue and stuff. I don't know if that'll affect him when he's 34 you know what i mean like i just don't have that information so player i watched last season coming off of an injury looked like he had no sap in his quickness no snap in his explosiveness no sap in his stop start ability uh so i'm not concerned off the meniscus this report this late in the process feels like you know rabble rousing a bit just to kind of yeah like 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 the agent said kind of just trying to make noise and see what happens if it was philadelphia then it was philadelphia i mean like you know it's it's part of the gamesmanship i hope judy gets drafted top 10 makes a bajillion dollars and is good forever you know what i mean it could it could be another wide receivers agent too i mean didn't we see this with like dalvin cook and and whatnot a few years ago was that a thing yeah that was absolutely a thing you know agents going around spreading bad news about players that aren't their clients to in the hopes that it would push their clients in front of them Ah. to get drafted it's a dirty business man yes girlless so like while the report might be like this is what people are saying who knows if what people are saying is is reality and i'm not trying to deny the fact that there might be a lingering knee issue with jerry judy but like you know ben you're saying i can't confirm anything from where I am. I don't think any of us know for sure or can know for sure. So there's no way for us to speak with any kind of assurity. Now, if Judy falls, maybe that's that's the reason. Maybe that's where you sort of get your verification that, huh, maybe there are some issues. I mean, we saw this with with Leighton Vanderesh. There was a late report that he had a neck issue and teams were taking him off his board and whatnot. And, you know, he kind of slid a little bit, but then he was drafted. And then next thing you know, he's having to take, you know, the bulk of a season off for a neck injury. And like his future is in serious doubt. So these like are concerning things that you have to consider. And in this year, and we can kind of talk about that this year, when you don't have the medicals, you don't have verified testing for some people. And some people are going out there running pro days of like four, you know, one nine or whatever. It's such a weird year to kind of like stamp that the checks in the boxes for each different aspect with these players. Like Brian Edwards didn't get to test the wide receiver out of South Carolina. 
But what right. we're told from like the wide receiver coaches, he runs, you know, he's been checked at 21 to 22 miles per hour by their tracking, which is up there with Debo Samuel, right? But then you also have the medical with him with the foot. So you can't confirm all of this. And you might have a really good player that was going to test really well and is actually okay medically. But verifying that just on being able to do that might make him fall off the board. So like guys like that, Ben, LaVisca Chanel, like, do you think he drops too? Like, this is what we're looking at. I don't want to talk about Visca. Make me sad. So, like, okay, last year, a couple of days before the draft, we had the first whisper on, like, oh, Juwan Taylor might fall, tackle out of Florida, because right. teams are concerned about his knee and his back, and he's a hamstring injury, the combine, whatever. And I remember not paying attention to them, because I was like, he's really good. And then yeah. he fell out of the first round. Guess what? I mean, he played the whole season in Jacksonville. It was tremendous. Not for nothing, just in case anyone was curious. <laughs> but when it comes to... I think I'll put it to you this way. Like, he serves as a good reminder, especially this year when I was, like, making my list of first-round locks and talking about who I think is going to go. They're just the reality is, like, there are such quiet medical concerns that we don't even get until the day of a couple days before in terms of anything that's like solid and then we're all surprised when it, it happens on draft day then that's in a regular year and in this year it, it's even more different so yeah like if it, you know maybe judy falls maybe he's there at 21 maybe it's because of the meniscus maybe he's past 21 because of, of the of the knee i'm not going to pretend to know you know what i mean it'll it'll a lot of it will come out more after the draft happens and there's right. no more strategy to it. And then maybe Judy will do exactly that, which Jawan Taylor has done, which is be really good and really available in his rookie season. But right. When it comes to a player like LaVisca now, LaVisca is different in my opinion, because Visca has been banged up for multiple seasons. So he's more so it's like, it's not like Judy where it's, Oh, he was available all that season. He was good, but there might be something that indicates that he's going to be injury prone at the NFL level. Whereas with Visca, it's like, why is this kid always banged up? Right, right. Like that. Those are, are to me categorically different. And and with Visca, it's partially like he's an extremely physical player. It's partially he's running the ball on fourth and two. And when you know, obviously he's a dense dude. He's got a great build. But like, if you want a way to not be hurt. Don't get hit by defensive linemen. Get hit by cornerbacks instead. You know what I mean? Like him not being a wildcat quarterback, a short yardage running back, will help him out with injuries more than a lot of things because he's just not going to get that sort of, of physical wear and tear that you get in the trenches between the tackles. Uh, and then I'm certain the part of it is also maybe he's an injury prone guy. You know what I mean? And like that, that figuring out what that is, how likely it is, and how to evaluate it is part of the the challenge for NFL teams. I mean, Visca's definitely not going to be a round one pick. I imagine he goes off the board somewhere in, in round two. I mean, it could be even later and I would be like, not surprised. I'd be right. disappointed, but I'd not be surprised because we can't really calibrate, especially in this year. I keep saying uh, to injuries. I mean, like starting a pick 53, I'll be begging the Eagles to take him. So, I mean, that's what we were doing with Metcalf last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that was a medical question. As right. well, and and you know you mentioned the first round locks. Let's kind of let's kind of talk about them. Uh, wide receiver, you have Judy Ruggs, Lamb, and Jefferson all going first round. Uh, I, I saw you pounding the table, or you at least yelled Sedarian for Sedarian, aka CD Lamb. Uh, a trade up that you can do with the mock draft simulator it might be the only place that you can do it because we'll, I don't know if the Eagles are going to be in range for that. Are you, are you still in the camp? Because we talked about this before, so I was surprised by that tweet. I know you're just you know promoting things and whatnot, but like, are you still against an, a, a very aggressive trade up? Oh, let me be. Let me be extremely okay. clear. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do not think the Eagles should trade up in round Same. one for a wide receiver. I think they're looking at it. I think they'll make offers. I think they'll try to. I do not think they should. In yeah. the event that they do, I will be upset about it for one to two minutes. Right. And then <laughs> I'll remember that CD Lamb is an Eagle and I will be freaking fine. Yeah. With, yeah you know, and like, so. obviously, yes and no. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be a range of emotions. I think anytime you execute a big time trade up, there is that great fear because you're putting a lot more eggs into that one basket. And that's not typically the way that, that I like to approach the draft. And I think that's not typically the way that a lot of, of, of analyses on the draft indicates you should go after it. With that said, you know, Cena Lamb's pretty good ball player and, <laughs> and, and certainly is a better receiver than anybody you could draft at 21. Yeah. So, it, it, right now, if you said, all right, like, you know, the Eagles absolutely 100% bet. They, they need to get better at wide receiver. Who's the best bet for them to do so? I'd say it's C.D. Lamb. Me too. So going up and getting him is, is, is you know, understandable. You hate the price tag. You yeah. love the house, I don't think basically. they should. You know, and it goes back to the deep class phenomenon, which, of course, Eagles fans are very familiar with and slightly <laughs> terrified of. Same with Roseman. He won't even say that phrase. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't know if I can even say this is a deep class of wide receiver. I'm going to get in trouble. And like, you know, it's a joke, but it's not. You don't want to get so suckered in by that. that you you miss out on a top talent if that player is in, within your range, even with the trade. Um, so I'd like to see them wait on it. I personally think the best strategy at wide receiver for the Eagles is to try to trade back from 21 into late 20s, early 30s, maybe out of the first round altogether, and draft a tier two wide receiver. If you're telling me I can get at what number you want, 30, just call it 30. Ooh. If you tell yeah. me I can get one of Rager, Mims, Hamler at 30, I'm there. Yeah, a you lot of people mean? are saying that that Mims is going to fall into the second round. I think that's fantastic value. I, I, think- I don't want to be like, oh, draft season. I do this, you know, all the time. So, like, you know, like, this is whatever. Because, like, I should. But, like, I don't, do not know when we started thinking Mims was a round one player. He was never a round one player in terms of the NFL projections, right? I know, like, the, the timeline fell in love with him because he had a good senior bowl and a good combine. And that's, like, when everybody has focus on the NFL draft process. But never. Like, sometimes in, like, an NFL Network mock drafts, but, like, never has there been a legit plugged-in guy who's been like, Mim's going to be a round one pick. And people are like, this is so surprising to me. Brother, what you been looking at? It's not. I think this is more big boards having Mims in that late first round area than it is established mocks and people that do mocks and analysts and big-time analysts saying that he's a first round pick. So, yeah, you're right. It didn't surprise me. I still think it's a fantastic value based on my boards. Like, if the Eagles were to trade back, and I think everybody and their mother at the end of the first round wants to trade back. But if the Eagles do trade back, Mims is like, Mims is my target. Rager is my target. We talked about it before. I don't love a lot of these guys at, at 21 once you get past the top three. But if we were, if, if the Eagles were picking at 30, I'd be like, heck yeah, give me like most of these guys. Right. So, so I think that's where the better value is. That's That's the approach that I would like. And then, you know, they'll trade up for C.D. Lamb. They'll trade up for Henry Ruggs. Uh, I'll, as an analyst, not like it. And then the fan in me, who just <laughs> wants the Eagles to be good, will see that the Eagles are good, they're better, gooder. It has improved the team that's good with the wide receiver. And I'll be happy. I'll be thrilled. You right. know what I mean? So it's... I won't, I won't think about that first round pick until next year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, when, right, when 53 comes around and Jeremy Chin is still on the board, I will big cry. But it's, you know, it's it's... it's cost of doing business a little bit speaking of which we'll talk about some of the defensive players that you have as first round locks and we'll kind of have conversations based around that framework that's coming up next here on the kiston select show hey this is scott galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the prop g podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where i answer all your questions on surprise the future of work 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 199, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. We're giving our final thoughts on the 2020 NFL draft as we approach it. It is the morning of the draft when this is dropping. Uh, a couple of guys that you have locks for linebacker, Isaiah Simmons. And then Kenneth Murray, these guys are interesting because mm-hmm. Simmons is kind of a wild card. He could fall pretty much anywhere. Like the Giants don't take him at four. Carolina might be in play and whatnot. But like fitting him to a team is hard. He's the toughest player for me to fit of the top right. guys. No question. Yeah. So he's a total wild card in that top 10. We'll see what happens with him there. And then also you have the whole Tua thing too. So this top 10, you know, predicting the, the draft any year is an exercise in futility. Trying to do it this year seems even tougher, especially with all the tour news coming out. Uh, and then you have Kenneth Murray now getting like serious first round hype buzz to the point where you have him as a lock. And look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. Like you you said it last night. You saw a lot of Jared Jared Davis in him. I see a lot of Malik Jefferson in him out of Texas. Just blind dog in a meat house, space cadet, let him loose. Can't really cover. You know, has the athletic profile to cover, but it's never really asked to do it. Doesn't have the instincts for it. I don't get what's making this guy a first round pick, especially when you look out there and you have, you know, like a Patrick Queen from from LSU that could fall. So it, it's weird for me with the linebacker position that he's being so hyped up. What's what's the buzz around him that makes him this lock? I like to to categorize Murray, especially up against Patrick Queen, the kid out of LSU, as a uh, it's it's a looks looks like a phenomenon, right? Which is a common thing that we hear. Better film is Queen, and like. Right. You can argue with me on that if you want, but the better film is Queen. There are plays that Queen makes that are really just extremely good football plays. Just anticipation, vision, uh, you know, a film study, and then the physical tools to get it done. It's just great plays. Yeah. So the better film is Queen. Testing wise, Murray's great. So is Queen. You know what I mean? Like you get uh, Murray, like density adjusted is better numbers. I mean, cool, but like Queen's got great numbers for linebacker position. He's a good mover. Right. Queen's LSU linebacker. Queen's a Dave Randall linebacker. You know, Kenneth Murray's coming out of Alex Grinch defense. If you put those guys in a vacuum and you didn't tell NFL scouts what they looked like, you say, hey, you can draft the Dave Randall linebacker and Alex Grinch Oklahoma linebacker. They take the Randall linebacker at LSU. Ooh. So, like, everything is on Queen. But Murray just looks like an NFL linebacker. <laughs> right? And that, that's, that, that's what... When you read like, you know, like the Bob McGinn athletic articles where it's all these scout quotes, right? People talk about Murray. They go, oh, well, I mean, he just he's, he's built for the part. You know what I mean? He just he's got that NFL build. I mean, he looks like a linebacker. That's what like, Queen doesn't look like a linebacker. Queen's 233. Murray's 240 something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Murray is yoked. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's strapped like you wouldn't believe. And then the other thing is, and this is like a little bit of the looks like a linebacker thing. It's, it's not visual, but it is. Murray is extremely football character competitive, 
right alpha dude whatever he's like you know it's just like he, he loves to impact his community and he loves to impact his team and he loves leading and this matters to him and he loves playing football and he loves hitting you and he loves imposing his will on the defense. Like he's just a Mike linebacker personality and a Mike linebacker body. He just looks the part. Doesn't matter he doesn't play as well as Queen. He just looks like what is familiar to scouts, what they expect a middle linebacker to look like. <laughs> so, I mean, it's clear that the league is infatuated with Murray. When I try to fit Murray... I always get him to Baltimore at 28. I'm not sure he makes it to Baltimore at 28. I think Baltimore might have to trade up to go get him. He's a perfect fit in Baltimore because Baltimore will blitz him and not ask him to cover because Murray has Correct. no evidence that he can cover successfully underneath zones or in man. He doesn't have good reps in either one in film. He's not asked to do it very frequently. So it's like, you know, I get him to Baltimore because that's where I think he's going to be successful. But, I mean, a team's going to take him in the teens, you know, like, and, and and I don't know how well that's going to go for them. So that's doing an eagle he's my favors. lock, and I don't I don't think Queen is a lock, which breaks my little heart. Uh, right. But the te- teams have size concerns, and then my favorite thing is the teams like we don't understand why he didn't start to begin the year. It's like, <laughs> I mean, you, well, they, yeah. So they had Devin White, and they had this giant kid named Jacob Phillips, who right. scouts are still enamored with. He's like the consensus six on the Bob McGinn thing, and it's like why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael Divinity, who's probably not going to get drafted, but he was also a starting linebacker before Queen. Queen was a backup behind all these guys. Yeah, you got big hype, big experience guys in front of him, basically. Right, exactly. So, like, and he stole their job. <laughs> right. That's why, exactly. that's so why Queen, he didn't You watch the Texas game, week two for LSU. Yeah. Queen is like a rotational player. Right. Divinity's the primary starter. And Divinity had off-field stuff, I think, that like kept him off the field. But like Queen goes in and plays like 15 reps, and they're like goal line and third down reps, and he's amazing. Right. It's like, do you want to know why he didn't start at the beginning of the year? Because somebody made a mistake. And if you draft Kenneth Murray over him, you're making the, the same mistake because somebody else made it before you. And you don't want to disagree with this faceless person. Yeah. Right. Like, like, do you think the LSU Tigers wish they could go back to week one and immediately start Patrick Queen? Because they absolutely do. He was Oklahoma game, Clemson game. He was unbelievable in the playoffs. Yeah. So they they would do anything to be able to have started Patrick Queen this year. And you're going to not draft him early because they didn't mm. and wish they could but can't go back in time. It's like, why is this the logic? He's a good ball player. Bad draft money over him. bad. Yeah, just draft the guy. I don't think the Eagles will. And I hope the Eagles, if they take a linebacker, that it's Queen and not Murray. And maybe that's part of a trade down. If or Queen is like still like if they go, like, you know, Ugh. Kenneth Murray goes in the 20s and then first round ends and then Cincinnati takes like Jordan Brooks at 33. Ugh. And then we're chilling there with Queen on the board in the 40s. I'm going to start sweating. I'm losing my mind. And I mean, this this could happen with some of the other positions, too, because you look at cornerback. Your three blocks are, are uh, Jeffrey Okuda. Uh, Jeffrey Hamm- who? Okuda. Okuda. I had to learn that for a radio spot because I was so used to saying it wrong. Okay. And I pointed it out the other day. Uh, CJ Henderson and then AJ Terrell is a name that is like, quote unquote, flying up boards. And I do agree. Yeah. I think he's going to go in the first round. And this is somebody, I, I mean, I, I asked you about this. I'm going to talk with Eric Crocker about it. But I asked you, like, does he get like a, a bad rep from the championship game when he was in pretty good position for most of it? And he got beat by a, who a lot of people think are the consensus wide receiver one next year. So I, I think another name that could that could end up, you know, flying up into the first round that we don't necessarily expect. Noah Igbenogany from Auburn, only two years experience. I think teams are going to love his ceiling. I think I said it, he had a cathedral ceiling the other day. Um, but cornerback is an interesting spot, and you don't think that our love, Christian Fulton, goes in the first round either. So now you're talking about a couple of LSU guys 
Christian Fulton, Patrick Queen falling into the second round, and you don't have a single lock for safety. So another LSU guy, Grant Telpit, and then you're talking about, I think Xavier McKinney goes first round. I don't know if he's a lock. And then Ashton Davis is a name that I can continue to say that if he tested and, and whatnot and seems to feel comfortable with him, that might have snuck himself up into the first round. Yeah. We don't know. Like, weirder things have Davis, happened. Davis, Davis, I don't even like. His his over-under, like, his line is set in the 70s. That's which crazy. To me is, yeah. Well, it's the groin, dude. I don't think people, Ugh. I don't think that it's, right, it's 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 LaVisca. LaVisca's also got a groin. But, it like, sucks. it's, this guy didn't test. He was supposed to be extremely fast and explosive. We have no evidence that he is, and we're worried that he's not going to be healthy for the season, and we can't bring him into camp. So, like, sucks teams are just going to run away. That's which, sucks. like, yo, <laughs> Ashton Davis can play. That would be wild. It's going to be a weird year. It's going to be the Eagles passing on Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and DK Metcalf all over again, like that type of feeling. I don't know. I'm worried. Yeah. Can <laughs> I'm we talk about, about this whole process? Go ahead. We talk about what? No, I've, I've been thinking about the Gronk thing, right? Oh, yeah. You know yeah. who's extremely well equipped to cover Gronk? The Saints. Oh, because they have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Chauncey and Malcolm. Malcolm. They got Jenkins and, and Gardner-Johnson. So now you can put Gardner-Johnson over godwin and survive i don't think it's ideal but you'll be okay obviously i think you ideally keep him over gronk you can put jenkins over gronk and if you're uncertain of whether you put jenkins over gronk jenkins has been like decently successful covering gronk in his career gronk like obviously he had a great super bowl and everything like that but jenkins won his reps against him um and then you have uh you have p rob also to play the slot so that gives you over godwin and now you're playing marshawn Lattimore and janoris jenkins over Whoever the, Mike Evans and whoever the other outside receiver is. So anyway, the Saints secondary is really good. And I was thinking about that the other day. But this is not what we're talking about. Yeah, tight ends are on the move, though. You got Gronk to the Bucks. Uh, there were there were rumors that Evan Ingram from the Giants was was on the block, which would be and the 49ers were apparently sniffing around, which holy crap, man, don't make it that unfair to try to cover your tight ends because that's just ridiculous mm-hmm. with him and George Kittle. Um, and then also O.J. Howard, who wasn't in the trade for Gronk, but apparently they did uh, nearly tried to trade for him a couple months ago to Washington because obviously they have a hole at tight end uh, in exchange. They were trying to get Trent Williams, but apparently that had fallen through. So there's a lot going on with tight ends. There's going to be a lot happening during the draft. I don't think we'll see like a bunch of player like draft day trades or anything like that. But I, I do you think that uh, this will be my final, qu- final question to you. Uh, do you think that at the end of the first round, and this is something I mentioned before, you're going to see a lot of teams trying to trying to get out because they feel that the value that they can get in the 20s is around the same that they can get in the 30s and the late 30s and maybe even the early 40s. And with such ambiguity around the draft that it would be a safer bet for them to not spend that type of capital and try to you know accumulate picks, take more swings at the bat, but also push some of those put some of those picks to next year too. You're saying the likelihood of the Eagles trading back? Eagles are really just the mass exodus that people are going to try to make that may make that difficult for the Eagles. Like if you're a team in the 20s, are you more more likely this year than any other year to try and trade back? And here's my thing: if you are trading back aggressively in 2020 for the purpose of recoup uh, of grabbing 2021 picks. What you're implying is that there's a much greater degree of certainty in 2021 prospect evaluation versus 2020 evaluation, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But like, uh, you're laughing, but like, that's what it is, right? Say, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I would rather have a second rounder in 2021 than a second rounder in 2020 because I'm more likely to get my second rounder right. Okay. See, I'm, I'm, meaning, I'm meaning more like they're still going to pick in the second round, but they're going to take those those extra picks from it, like a fourth rounder in 2021. Right. Like, you know what I mean? 
Right, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. That, that was an example, but okay. I, I, I understand your point, yeah. Tw- uh, 2020 and 2021, the relative certainty in prospect evaluations. Well, we, in general, overestimate how good we are at valuing these guys and evaluating these guys, both valuing and evaluating. Yeah, and so too. it's likely that you're going to be just about as good in 2020 as you are in 2021 at drafting players who end up good for you. There is a warranted argument for a player I draft in 2021 actually gets to come to camp with me versus 2020. They probably don't that I'm listening to, but in terms of like, Oh, because I'll have pro days and I'll have top 30 meetings. I'll be better at finding good players. I don't, I disagree. I don't think that there's strong evidence for that. So you are going to see teams willing to trade back and grab extra 2021 capital instead of other resources, because they think that they have more certainty in those years. I think you're also going to see smart teams who are willing to exploit that very market inefficiency for 2020 picks. And I would not be even remotely shocked if Philadelphia was that team, was one of those teams, I should say. But I think smart, data-driven teams are going to acknowledge that, listen, others may think that pick 55 is going to be easier in 2021 versus 2020, but we know that it's roughly the same, even with the, the limitations on on information and arguably, though I would listen to the argument, the the camp as well. And so accordingly, they're going to make more picks in 2020 exclusively because they're just going to be attacking the the fallacy, which right. is being, uh, you know, uh, peddled by other teams. So I think that's that's that's, that's what we're going to see. I the 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 mitigating factor here is that trades are just going to be difficult to execute, period, because, you know, apparently <laughs> it's hard to have voice calls or whatever the frick they're doing nobody right? wants to mute their zoom their yeah exactly zoom. because nobody knows how to get into like a private video chat which god knows what's happening moral of the story is we all don't know but we like in theory i think that that's what i would expect to happen if i'm another if, if i'm another gm just just change your change your display name don't show your video and just see what's going on poke around i just like the one gm who's like yeah no like my my kids were playing video games and it destroyed my internet connection Brother, like when when Jerry Jones goes on the board at seventeen, we bombard his house with with emails or something. I don't know. How do you destroy bandwidth? But let's do it. I didn't know it was that fragile. Like that's still a thing in two thousand twenty. You don't have like the the souped up internet in your right. in your. Home I mean, for like this? let's be honest. Let's be honest. Of the ten general managers who said that it was a bandwidth I- I- issue, how many can define the word bandwidth? Three, <laughs> brother. I've got at any point in time in my house, I could be playing a, an online multiplayer. Two other kids could be playing an online multiplayer. You right. know, the youngest kid could be streaming YouTube on on his on his tablet, and the wife could be streaming Netflix in the room. That's that's like what six different devices going on at the same time, plus phones connected to Wi-Fi and whatnot. I don't have near the issues these people are talking about. Why are they still on dial-up? I I, I just I don't understand. Hey, like, this. am I gonna stand here and and tell you that I've got the best internet connection in the world? Absolutely not. But nobody gives me millions of dollars to watch football players. And if they did, my internet connection would be popping, brother. And you'd have as many screens as John Lynch. That you've, have you noticed oh, like, my, the trend the, now? Dude, the John Schneider, like, yeah. I have 30 to 50 screens in my basement. <laughs> we pulled a, a wall out. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I yeah. The parody tweets I get to do on these general managers are the fun. Like, And, like, I don't <laughs> even feel bad about it. Sometimes we make fun of general managers. And I'm like, we're taking advantage of people. Or, like, any, any NFL insiders or whatever. In this case, y'all are doing it to yourselves. I feel zero yeah. bad. 
Oh, I've got we 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 told uh, tore out a dividing wall so I could do the draft in my basement. You're an idiot. What? <laughs> You're an idiot. You're just gonna what? Do you, what can you possibly put on all those screens? What, and, Each and, individual like, scout's video, so that you can know exactly who you're not listening to and ignoring when your pick comes on the clock. Your eyes can only go one place, I don't, and your yeah. ears can only. I just go think one they place. want the big, like the 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 right. guy behind the screen vibe. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it's like Ned in the Spider-Man movie, the dude in the chair. They just want yeah. the dude in the chair sensation. Just feel extremely powerful when you waste your second round pick drafting some dude who nobody wants you to draft it'd be great they just got to put the rulers away man it's enough anyway so it's going to be a weird draft and uh we'll be covering it for you here at bleeding green nation me and seamus clancy are going to be on bleeding green nation on the instagram at bleeding green oh wow yeah instagram instagram live um and it'll be me and seamus we'll we'll start i think when the first play first pick goes on the clock we're going to start and then we're going to see how long that goes. And then we're going to be back uh, a few picks before the Eagles pick and kind of ride it out through there. If they trade up, we'll pop on, whatever. I'm going to pull the audio from that. Uh, probably be like a five to ten minute show. I'm going to throw up on the feed like instantly. And then I'll see, you know, who's available to to talk and more in-depth about these picks. Hopefully, Solak can get on with me for some of these as well for more in-depth shows. But you're going to have plenty of coverage of this thing throughout the process. Of course, BleedingGreenNation.com is going to have a ton of articles and content for you, for your eyeballs as well. So we've got it covered from every which angle here at BGN. Ben, say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners and say aloha to the whole NFL draft process because it's about to... It's about to hit ahead. It's about to be done and dusted. Okay. Finally. Ben, I'm just dying. I'm dying. I'm dying out here. Uh, I cannot take another argument about if Justin Jefferson is viable on the outside. I don't care. The takes are out there. Shut up. We're here. It's enough. He is, but he's not that great. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Solak <laughs> Show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. I just saw a, uh, a tweet that reminded me of last year when there were all the uh, the bridal parties, the bachelorette parties in Nashville. Oh, and they yeah. didn't know the NFL draft was the weekend. <laughs> they were big sad because, like, everything was crowded and it was all football stuff. Anyway, yeah, that's not happening this year. But that was funny. Uh, this is the Kiss and Solak <laughs> Show. Uh, we thank you so much for listening. He's Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. It's KSD. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. If you enjoy the show, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. Always around this time of the year, I encourage you to subscribe, especially because while a lot of NFL pods slow down in the offseason, we don't really and it's because we're a little broken inside and we can't shake the league and so even with uh the 2020 season in jeopardy we have a lot still to go over from the 2019 season uh we like to dive into film stuff we like to dive into specific arguments and so we fill the uh the summer with content that you guys seem to enjoy so if you haven't subscribed please do rate review as well to keep us highly ranked on the itunes list and bring more listeners to the show as Mike said, a full draft and post-draft plan is waiting for you. We hope you enjoy the draft. Hope you enjoy live sports, or at least the closest thing that we've got to it here in these very weird times. Stay safe, stay healthy. Don't touch anybody. Thank you so much for listening. Ben, last quick thought. After the draft, do you want to do a show where we just try to guess NFL Scout, Anonymous Scout, or Draft Twitter? Like uh, like we pull quotes, and then we see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think so the people are we never really did an official big board fight episode I don't think no we didn't I know people are upset about that we had somebody at us yesterday and they were like uh, I don't know if you guys are doing the like the uh, that that episode but he said I I want to ask the question I ask every year which is who's the worst player that will be drafted in the first round and which team will take him which hmm. warranted question Isaiah Wilson tackle out of Georgia 
or Ezra Cleveland tackle out of Boise, Cleveland would go literally to Cleveland. Mm. We can talk about that as a bad reason to draft a player. <laughs> that like Andrew Barry heard us joke about name analytics and was like, "Yes, yeah, let's let's, take it to let's recruit these for sure." Um, <laughs> or Wilson, Wilson's going to go to like Tennessee or I, Seattle or Miami. I see yeah, Wilson. They they asked me mm-hmm. about him on on midday one eighty there in Nashville about going to first round a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Are, are you crazy?" They were like, oh, no, there's serious hype around. I'm like, you got to be kidding me with that. There's no freaking. So, yeah, that would probably be my pick. It's uh, it was Tennessee. If Miami takes Tua, and so their blindside becomes the right tackle, oh, and they take Wilson mother. at 26 because he's 6'9", oh. has played on the right side, oh. which, like, yes, this is not an unrealistic thing. It's going to be a fun day. R.I.P. Tua. All right. That's going to do it. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.